The Permission to Succeed podcast is brought to you by Thompson IM Funds, Inc. For more information about Thompson IM Funds, please visit thompsonim.com. Thompson IM Funds, smart investing starts here. Hello, and welcome to the Permission to Succeed podcast. We are live at the Charles Schwab Impact Conference from the Discovery Data Booth. This is your host, Doug Heikinen. The Permission to Succeed podcast is about learning from and being inspired from those who have found a time in their lives when they threw caution aside and went for it and gave themselves the permission to succeed. The genesis of this podcast is based on the great appreciation for the lives of Muhammad Ali and Dr. Martin Luther King and their world-changing views. The Permission to Succeed podcast is brought to you by Iris XYZ, the most helpful place advisors can come to and learn to grow their businesses. Power your advice at iris.xyz. Our guest today is Chelsea Rodstrom, who is a research analyst at GlobalX. And Chelsea is rather new to the industry, but we're going to have an interesting time talking about some things going around in the world that are affecting investment portfolios and, and investing in general. Hi, Chelsea. Hi, thanks for having me. So what are some of the things that are going on in the world that advisors need to be paying attention to as they're thinking about investing their clients' assets? We've definitely seen over the last uh, 12 to 18 months, investors really sort of focused in on a few macro headwinds, Mm -hmm. one of which is obviously slowing global growth. We've also seen concerns around a strong dollar, trade tensions, Brexit, geopolitics in the Middle East. Really, those are probably the top headline risks that um, we've seen investors most concerned about. So let's dig in a little bit to the slowing of global growth. What, what's going on with that? So a lot of the manufacturing slowdown that we've seen, as well as slowdown in CapEx spending, is really related back to a hesitancy of businesses and investors to make big decisions in their portfolios and in their strategies. Seeing sort of a pickup in manufacturing more recently in the U.S., but also in Europe, could be a sign of, you know, opportunity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, trade is a big deal with what's going on with China and everything. There's supposed to be some talks coming on. How is that affecting portfolios? Is it Over the past few days, given all of the news coming out around the potential for a, you know, phase one or mm-hmm. skinny deal with China, we've seen a lot of sort of positive momentum building around different sectors that would sort of benefit from a turnaround in the in the trade tensions or potential trade detente. Is that something that can be trusted for investors, that these, this stuff's going to happen, or should we be on the defensive? There are ways to navigate what's going on with the trade tensions without being completely bearish or completely bullish and rather being more nuanced in sort of the exposures that you're getting to you know, global equities, whether that's in the U.S. or China or internationally. And there's so much going on in the world as far as politics, not just the United States, but the geopolitics. And how do do investors think about that and navigate that when they're thinking about their portfolios? Well, when they're looking at different themes globally, um, there are different ways to sort of play what's going on geopolitically politically, whether that's uh, getting oil exposure, between toggling between OPEC countries and non-OPEC countries, 
whether that's toggling sectors related to what's going on with trade tensions or global slowdown. Um, there are more nuanced ways to sort of mitigate the headline risks that our investor that our investors are facing. And Brexit, with Boris Johnson having his troubles and they're doing it, they're not doing it. Is that something that plays into what you guys are looking at? Certainly. So we're definitely looking at Brexit and sort of the impact that it's had on markets. But I think that a lot of that has already been sort of priced in or has, you know, had a bit of an overreaction in the markets. And there are ways to sort of potentially benefit or find opportunities around Brexit, whether that's looking at other parts of Europe that investors might have overlooked before that are still continuing to benefit despite the Brexit uncertainties. So it seems like it's a harder thing to be an investor, be an advisor managing clients' assets than it's ever been before. How does GlobalX help navigate that for investors and advisors? At GlobalX, we really are intent on providing investors with a lot of uh, research. I'm on the research team at GlobalX. I cover our international ETF. And we put out a lot of research, both on the markets that we cover, so sort of macro research, whether that's at the country level or covering a theme. But we also are, are available to speak with advisors and investors about the products that we cover, but also the markets that we cover. So we try to, you know, educate as much as possible. What are, what are some of the products that you're especially excited about that you're looking at? Well, last December, so almost a year ago, we launched, we, we completed our China sector subsuite of the International Access Suite. So we have 12 funds that are focused on China, one of which is a large cap. The rest are sector ETFs. That's something that we're really excited about because as the second largest economy, that's becoming a bigger part of investors' portfolios through, you know, large index funds, emerging market funds. China's basically too big to ignore now, um, and that's something that we're really excited to offer investors. Is it difficult to figure out what's really going on in China as an investor? As an investor, um, I think a lot of people are you know, can be, tend to feel stretched thin when covering even just one market like the U.S. When, when trying to understand everything, all of the complexities of the U.S. market, investors are faced with similar challenges when trying to analyze what's going on in China. So yes, I do think it is fairly difficult to understand all of the, all of the macro factors going on in China, but I think the same could be said about the U.S., um, and just providing a lot of research and content as somebody who's very focused on China, I think is helpful for advisors who aren't necessarily focused in on what's going on across each sector in China. So why did you pick financial services? I actually wasn't intent on pursuing financial services. Both of my parents are in the industry and it wasn't something that I honestly had considered. Uh, it's kind of funny that I ended up in financial services. I went to school, studied international studies, political science. I was always very into research. I pursued a big research project in my undergraduate program, and then I eventually went to graduate school for international studies. And I wanted to sort of complement that discipline with something that was a little bit more, you know, like a harder discipline. So I chose economics. 
and I went to Johns Hopkins School of Advanced International Studies, studied economics and international studies. A really great program because it allowed me to understand how interrelated economics is with international geopolitics, international studies. And that kind of funneled me into being interested in finance. So I took several economics courses, which led me to want to take corporate finance and which led me to want to take more quantitative classes. And ultimately, that kind of pushed me in the direction of financial services when it wasn't something I intended on at all. What challenges have you faced becoming an analyst and learning all these things? And what have you overcome that you didn't think you could? I would say my biggest challenge to entering financial services was the lack of my quantitative skills. I enjoyed math as a little kid. Uh, I was good at math at a young age. But then later I became pretty, I wasn't very confident in my quantitative skills. Somewhere along the way I lost that. So while I was in graduate school, I forced myself to take the classes that I thought would be most challenging and learned new skills quantitative skills that I continuously sort of built on. And while at Global X, I've continued to hone in on those and um, take, you know, the CFA exam and push myself to learn those new skills. What surprised you about the industry so far? Well, working at Global X has been sort of a privilege of working in the industry because it's, while it's a major asset manager, we're still fairly small and nimble. And being able to have a voice at a place like Global X has been very rewarding and sort of surprising because I never necessarily thought asset managers would would allow, you know, someone in their the first or second year of their career to have that kind of voice. Are you surprised that more people aren't interested, more younger people aren't interested in financial services? Personally, I think maybe I live in a bubble because I live in New York and I have several friends that are either in the industry or tangentially, working tangentially within the industry or outside of the industry. So I think I live in a a little bit of a bubble in that way, that I have a lot of friends that are interested in working in the industry. I think there is somewhat of a tendency of people my age to think that the industry is you know, older and maybe not as relatable, but I think it's definitely shifting to a point where we're stepping in and starting to have a role in the industry. What what do you think are some things that the industry can do as an outreach to the younger generation to get people more involved in it and a diverse range of people? There's definitely some really important mentoring programs that I having a big role in promoting diversity and inclusion. You know, in New York, we have uh, Women in ETFs, our local chapter. I think they do some great work with their mentoring programs, introducing young women to the industry and, and helping them to sort of expand their horizons within the field, building on skills and networking, uh, providing a platform for them to sort of, you know, discuss their ideas and share their thoughts on the industry. So what advice would you have to somebody who's looking at the industry and may want to get involved? What I would say to anybody who's interested in the industry is persist. And and if you really, truly have an interest in something, then pursue that interest, but also keep a very open mind. I didn't think that I would enter financial services. And 
I kept an open mind and pursued my interests and it actually it led me into financial services. I feel very grateful that it happened that way, but everybody has their own sort of path and, and keeping an open mind is very a very important mindset to have. Chelsea, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. We'd also like to thank the people at Discovery Data for having us in their booth, Charles Schwab for having us at their Impact Conference, for everyone at Iris MediaWorks and the Permission to Sleep production team, this is Doug Heikinen. Thank you so much for joining us. The Permission to Succeed podcast is brought to you by Thompson IM Funds, Inc. For more information about Thompson IM Funds, please visit thompsonim.com. Thompson IM Funds, smart investing starts here.